This is the show with Cannon Brown. If some would say or calculate the size of the pork industry being about $90 billion. That last few minutes might have been a little confusing. You'd like to know who I was talking to, wouldn't you? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Cannon Brown, and it is a beautiful Thursday morning or wherever you're, whatever time you're listening to this. I hope it's good. Maybe it's cloudy. Maybe it's rainy. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But when I'm releasing this, it's Thursday, July 25th, and welcome to the show. I hope you guys are enjoying it, and I hope you guys uh, keep liking and sharing and uh, subscribing. Tell your friends. I don't know. Tell your mom. Whatever. My guest today is Mrs. Kylie Denise. And guys, uh, I don't want to separate men and women here in the industry because we are all whole. I got to be PC here a little bit. We are all whole. Uh, But there is a handful of influential and uh, powerful women within our industry. And Kylie Denise is one of them. The knowledge that she knows about our industry and about the swine industry in general is uh, exceptional. It's it's in, it's insane what she knows about this industry and her marketing and strategies uh, insight is pretty wild. She's a Colorado native, uh, judged at Blackhawk East uh, in her JUCO days before going to Oklahoma State University to pursue a bachelor's and a master's in agriculture and communications. And guys, she can surely communicate. She is communicating all over the country to spread the word of the National Pork Board where she works now. And, and I just want you guys to listen in because She's awesome. She's really cool. And, and the first time I met her, I met her at either World Pork Expo or, or the NJSA Summer Spectacular. And she is very hands-on. She's ready to work with kids, ready to kind of tell the story of uh, uh, the pork industry. And I think that's awesome. And I think it's something that we can all replicate and try to try to mock from her. I think she, she kind of sets a pattern for us that we should follow. So that's enough of me talking, obviously. So uh, without further ado, let's do it. Mrs. Kylie Denise. You're safer here than any place else. Now just lock yourself in and keep quiet. How's uh, your Tuesday going? My Tuesday. And where are you headed? Well, I'm going to um, Idaho to judge a goat show. So I, and it was oh, kind of gotcha. last minute. I did. I wasn't going until like Saturday, and then they had a last minute cancellation. I said, sure, I'll get a flight. <laughs> okay. Are you a goat enthusiast? If so, I didn't know that. Well. uh, I do enjoy goats quite a bit. Um, I've only judged a few goat shows, um, but I know my way around it. I prefer hogs, as you as you know, as you can kind of tell by my background. But I do enjoy goats quite a bit. Okay, cool. What, well, what good about luck you? With it and safe travels. <laughs> How's your Tuesday going? Um, I'm actually <laughs> good. I'm actually in the office this week, which has been a surprise relative to the last, I think, about six weeks of travel. So. Uh, pretty excited to just be sitting in a chair at a desk with a computer, and I don't say that very often. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about that. Uh, you were at uh, Summer Spectacular, obviously, uh, for uh, NJSA and NSR, and then um, you were right back in Louisville again for uh, the National Junior Angus show. So how was Louisville for like two and a half, three weeks? Did you get tired of it, or, or do you never get tired of it? <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Uh, so I was actually shortened of my NJSA Summer Spectacular trip uh, because I had to be in the Wisconsin Dells as well as St. Louis before I made my way back to Louisville for the Angus show. And I think that um, I judged some contests at the Angus show, but also I'm married to an Angus enthusiast and that's his full-time job. So I say our house is divided and truly 
that kind of um, two timing Louisville in July is an example of our house being divided. First time a hog show, then a cattle show. Exactly. What does your husband do? He works at Express Ranches. Oh, okay. And um, so, yeah, just outside of Yukon and uh, runs the show cattle. And so the National Junior English Show is a really big outing for the Express customers and um, just a ton of fun for the kiddos. No different than it would be for us going to uh, the pig show. Exactly. Well, uh, well, I hope it went all right. And it, I mean, it, the show seemed to lit like it went really well. So hopefully it did for you guys as, uh, too. Yeah, I think it did. It's um, fun to see both sides, right? And uh, cool thing, opening ceremonies and the junior board kids riding in Corvettes, you know, during their introductions and things like that. So oh, wow. definitely have a few ideas that I jotted down. Yeah, being at that show that uh, maybe could infiltrate right back into uh, the show pig arena. Yeah, that would definitely be really sweet. And if we can, uh, I know if we can replicate some of their stuff, um, I think that would be awesome. I had a friend that was on the... Uh, she was on the junior board for the Angus Association, and I know it was kind of the same, but um, theirs was a little bit more rigorous, I, I'd have to say, for sure. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, but I think similar, right, in process, there's a leadership camp that the junior boards get to put on each year, as well as, you know, the shows that they go to and the mentoring programs. So I think there's a lot of similarities, um, and I think both good, right? And if I was looking back on my time as a young person which is come and gone i wish i would have done more of that or just been exposed to those types of things exactly but that's well, okay today i can still contribute in a different way exactly and uh and that's what we're going to talk about here but I, I wanted to talk about kind of uh start out with you coming up so you being a colorado native um and in the, we did this interview uh uh, a little while ago and the audio kind of didn't work out. So now I know some things about you in this interview that I can bring up and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, but you grew up in Colorado and, and I, I don't really want to go into your background a lot, but I want to know, um, you do a lot of work for the national Western being a Colorado native. How was it having, uh, Denver right around the corner, right around the road from you guys? And how did that influence you, uh, in your future careers in the agriculture industry? Yeah, the National Western will always have a soft spot or sweet spot within uh, my heart as well as our family's heart. And um, like most kids, right, that have the one stock show that's the nearby show, it's the show you want to win showmanship at, you want to win the show, you look forward to it all year. And for us, being uh, just farming, right, farmers right outside of Denver, about 30 miles, pretty close to the airport, the National Western was that one for us. And um, in addition to that, my dad was um, a livestock superintendent for 20 plus years. Uh, my mom was actually the livestock show secretary for a time. And um, we just grew up, grew up doing that. And so I would say that the National Western was probably one of the single largest connectors to my interest within the livestock show world again we farmed alfalfa under pivot sprinkler which looks a whole lot different than how you would farm corner beans in the midwest where the pigs might be uh, more prevalent and so for me to get to meet you know individuals from across the u.s literally whether it's west or east or midwest or um, folks that traveled up from texas uh, that was an opportunity without the national western i wouldn't have had and met some of my best friends there uh, at the 
leverage of winning championship there as a senior, as well as winning the Hawk too. So um, I really thought the National Western, you know, and, and even can't give it up um, and facilitate a couple of media internship program there, where I can also give back to young people who have an interest in this marketing communication space who also want to be at the National Western. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about that a little bit more. So you kind of, um, you help with the National Western still. And I, and I wanted to talk about your role a little bit more. You help, you said you kind of help with kids getting in, uh, interested in marketing and outreach and stuff like that. Um, what kind of, uh, uh, things are you doing with National Western to promote that and kind of get it, kids interested in, in joining that program? Yeah, so um, I have a real spirit of giving back and probably why, you know, working at an association like the National Pork Board is also a good fit for me. But um, I, you know, can attribute a lot of my upbringing and decisions I've made. I say there's a lot of, you know, right or left turns we make in life. And so the turns I've made to get me to this point uh, go back to just people that have invested in me. And so um, about five years ago, Aaron Dorsey and Clancy Anderson, uh, serve as the West Livestock Show uh, coordinators today. We're talking about there's this gap, and from their perspective, you know, they're running a stock show that's 16 days long, arguably one of the best stock shows in the country, the Super Bowl of cattle shows, all of these things that make the National Western what it is. And I said, well, I think that the gap might be within this space of communicating to those that are both there on the fairgrounds as well as those who maybe didn't make it to the show this year. What's going on? The ears and eyes of the show. And so um, we dreamt up a program, essentially, an uh, internship program, and um, the program hires between four and six individuals each year to come in and cover the show. And the uh, first year we did it, I think we had like 40 applicants, and then this past year, 65 plus, and those applicants are people who are enrolled in a college or university across the U.S. They have an interest in livestock or agriculture, number one and they are pursuing a career within the marketing communications field and specifically you know they're storytellers they can use the digital space they can operate a camera and so we hire young people each year to come in and cover a week of the show and um, they're doing everything from the social media it might be facebook twitter instagram snapchat instagram stories to uh, working with media who come on site and want to interview a young person who might have just won you know, the hog show, for instance, or um, they're potentially in the ring taking photos alongside the very best livestock photographers in the industry. So it's a really unique program. There's a scholarship tied to it. And I think that Aaron and Clancy at the National Western, as well as myself and others who have been involved, would say that uh, the talent pool of people who have come through this program are really incredible. And uh, today they're out doing big things in the industry. So it's our way to give back and invest in those young people who are going to continue to give back to the industry that we all know and love. Well, that sounds like a uh, really interesting program. And I've had a couple of friends go through a, kind of the an internship program through Denver. I don't know if it, I don't think it was that one, but that one sounds very interesting. But I want to know, you being in marketing and outreach, um, how jealous are you that there's programs like this now? Uh, I'm sure that when you were showing, there wasn't um, really kind of the outreach that there is now. Uh, how jealous are you of those kids? Are you of those kids that you're helping out every day uh, with this marketing and outreach? H how bad do you wish you could have you could have had that when you were showing livestock? 
really bad about as bad as you want to win a show when you've got a good one going um i think it's fantastic though and i really love young people and uh, i would say that they keep me young as well they bring new energy creative ideas um, keep me on my toes in the digital space which we know is changing at a really rapid pace and so while i'm a little uh, jealous or envious that there's programs like this today that i didn't necessarily get to participate in. I did one at the State Fair of Texas that had some similarities, but um, not to the degree or maybe even the opportunities that the young people at the National Western get, um, but that's okay. As long as I can continue to help uh, develop young people and they keep me young too and keep me hip and up with all the trends within this marketing communication space, I'm perfectly fine with it. <laughs> well, that's good. At least you're not like overly zealous of of these young kids coming in because obviously you've done uh, great work for yourself and it kind of all started out as showing and and judging in Colorado and then um, you finally get uh, recruited to Blackhawk. Tell me about that process, uh, getting recruited to a junior college uh, when you were showing for livestock judging. Yeah, sure. I think my story is a little bit interesting. Um, you know, today the concept of state lines is not a big deal. However, you know, when I was showing uh, 15 years ago or however long ago it was, I don't know that I want to count, the concept of being out west in Colorado relative to in Midwest or down south and just into those programs was a little bit more challenging than what it is today. You don't have a chance or we didn't have a chance to expose ourselves in, you know, the social media space, but it was through show and pit. Um, we took some pit to the American Royal and Dan Hogue was judging uh, the guilt shown showmanship and uh, I loved showmanship it was right relative to all the things that could go wrong when you're on livestock showed in show host judging um, it was a pretty uh, I would say tough battle between uh, Brian down and I that year and I think I came out on top and uniquely just you know part of a conversation with Dan Hogue afterwards and it's kind of those one thing leads to another and found myself then uh, doing a campus visit at Blackhawk, met Brian Arnold and my folks uh, were huge fans of both Hogue and Arnold and decided to make my way first to Illinois to livestock judging junior college before then pursuing uh, my uh, bachelor's degree at Oklahoma State. So you had um, you had Arnie as a coach, Brian Arnold as a coach at Blackhawk? Yeah, Arnold's a stud, right? Uh, oh my incredible gosh, yeah. individual. Learned so much from him. Yeah, so, and I would say one of my mentors still today and a person that I like to stay connected with because uh, he will forever do big things within uh, the livestock and specifically the show pig world. Yeah, he's incredible. And I, I, I'm I, pretty jealous of you that you had Arnie as a coach. I, I love both the coaches that I had at junior college. and But if I had Brian Arnold... I would have had a great time at Blackhawk, but, uh, so that's the process you kind of getting in there. Um, tell me how you liked it because, uh, most people that go through Blackhawk, they are diehard Blackhawk fans. They love their experience, but then you get a couple that are like, Oh, it, it kind of wasn't for me. I want to hear your side of it. Tell me how Blackhawk was for you and, and what your experience there was. I think Blackhawk was easily one of the best uh, decisions I made as I was kind of, you know, or have been making my way through life to date. Uh, not only was it the right fit in terms of size, but culturally it was the right people. I had great individuals um, from a mentoring perspective in both uh, Hogue and Arnold. And then I was in it for something bigger, right? I 
was going to livestock judge and a true passion of mine through college. But then also I was on track to uh, get a degree. I knew I was going to work within this marketing communication space. And so I also loved the classes and all of the things we got to do. But I would say at Blackhawk for me, being, you know, a Colorado kid, a Colorado native, it was special because I hadn't had the exposure to these Midwest um, operations or these family farms. And um, as you can imagine, Hogue and Arnold are tied into those operations as good as any. And so we learned how to livestock judge. We learned how to give reasons. We learned the process, but we also met incredible people, traveled to incredible places. And again, one of the best decisions I ever made. And so really proud of that decision, uh, proud of the individuals that I judged with. We had a large judging team. There was uh, 30 when I enrolled as a freshman. And I think we traveled with eight. And of those eight, I was um, the only female. And so in addition to you know the great experiences, it was a ton of fun uh, judging and growing with the group of gentlemen who today, in my opinion, are the next generation of industry leaders if they're not already leading today. So really great experience. I would be on the Team Blackhawk uh, bandwagon all the way. That's awesome. And I can't, I, I've heard you say that before and I knew that was coming. I mean, it, it usually goes 98%. Uh, the people that I talk to that have gone to Blackhawk, they absolutely love it. And I didn't really think that you were going to be outside of that 98%. And I'm glad that you are in that 98% because I mean, if you didn't have fun in junior college or you didn't like the school that you picked when you uh, were going to junior college for judging, uh, you definitely did something wrong. Uh, that's for sure. But still, I I'm really glad that you had a good experience. And, and that's kind of good that you had your mindset still on school as well. I mean, you were interested in livestock judging, but you were still interested uh, solely on getting that kind of marketing and outreach communications degree. Um, but 30 kids on a freshman team, that's kind of that's, that's got to boost your competitive drive uh, to be the very best on that team. And I'm sure you uh, excelled on that. I mean, you were one of the eight traveling. So um, I'm sure that boosted your competitive drive a lot when there was 30 kids walking in on the first day, didn't it? Yeah, I believe it's really, you know, what you make of it. And so, Kenan, uh, to go back to your point on individuals who maybe don't have the best experience, I would question if they gave it their all. But um, yeah, 30 kids is a lot. And, you know, I had relative to most had little judging experience. And then when we got down to the eight that were traveling, I was this the lone female typically, and then, um, you know, had the chance to market every contest, uh, be in the top 10 at several contests. And uh, so I think it's like anything, right? The bar raises and you raise with the bar. And um, I would say that I'm pretty competitive and don't necessarily love to lose. And our team, going back to just the individuals on that team, incredible individuals who could see livestock and, you know, just totally kill it in the reasons room. And so when you have that kind of people surrounding you, no question, you want to continue to get good, better, and try to beat them, right? And I would say that we had that kind of friendly culture amongst the team. Uh, Brian Arnold did a good job of kind of fostering that, but then also keeping us level. And then, you know, Hogue the same. Well, that's awesome. And then uh, you kind of have a great experience at uh, uh, Blackhawk, and uh, you're very competitive on the livestock judging team, and you get... Uh, recruited to go to Oklahoma State University and 
and finish out your uh, your your bachelor's in marketing and um, and uh, ag communication, right? Yeah, that's correct. I did both my undergraduate and master's degree at Oklahoma State in ag communications. Uh, and then tell me about your experience at Oklahoma State. And and it's it's not really the same with Blackhawk because everybody that I know that goes to Oklahoma State absolutely loves it. And uh, and I have no doubt in my mind that you loved it. I just want to know about your experience there and, and kind of how it furthered your pursuit uh, within the ag industry. Sure. I think I always knew a little bit to some degree that I wanted to go to Oklahoma State. And coming out of high school, I was uh, set to be valedictorian in my class. And the concept, and I'm a first-generation college student, too, in our family. And so the idea of going to a junior college first before a four-year wasn't necessarily in the cards for my parents because uh, they neither one of them had the opportunity to to go to college and achieve their uh, four-year degree. And so they had a lot of hopes. And in high school, I did several college visits, visited Iowa State, which I think it was on the coldest day of the year. But um, my dad really loved Iowa State because there was um, a pretty several, not just one, but several significant uh, farm dealerships just down the road. And uh, so visited Iowa State, uh, certainly Colorado State was in the cards and Dr. Brett Kaysen was there at the time coaching the livestock judging program. And so to be, you know, just an hour and 15 minutes from home and then have an opportunity to judge for a Dr. Brett Kaysen and get a Colorado State degree, um, certainly something of interest. And then Oklahoma State, I think, was the third final factor when I was in high school. And um, I know from the time I visited, before I even thought maybe livestock judging was something that I would do competitively in college, I just loved Oklahoma State, the culture, um, you know, the people that I met and interacted with. I loved the um, prestige of the program as well as how highly regarded, you know, the livestock industry was at Oklahoma State. And so I think that it was something that I always really kind of thought I was going to do. And then what really made Oklahoma State special relative to some of the other institutions I visited was their ag communications degree. And arguably at the time and even today, one of the best in the country. And through that program, you could be anything, right? You could um dream up big ideas and work on campaigns. You could become a photographer. You could build websites uh, via HTML coding, which we don't do as much of today. Uh, you could do layout and design and build ads. And so there were so many options through that program. And the more I grew and really, I suppose, found who I was in terms of career, the ad communications degree at Oklahoma State sealed the deal. Now, when you're at Oklahoma State uh, pursuing your um, ag communications degree, whether it be your bachelor's or your master's, because uh, you got both of them there, coming out of college, what is your ideal job that you're looking for with this degree? I think if you have a uh, communications, ag communications degree from Oklahoma State or any of these schools that have uh, the really strong ag communications programs, I think you can become anything, which is what really attracted me to the degree. You learn how to write, which is critically important no matter what you do. But uh, specifically, you could become a news writer, a feature writer, uh, just have those core competencies of writing down. You could be a photographer. You could be a graphic designer through the layout and design coursework. You could um, work a little bit more in the marketing outreach space, which is the approach I took through communications uh, or campaign 
building. And so I think that the degree program and why it's of interest, and I think today why so many individuals are pursuing it is just because there are so many options and you come out with this really great toolbox of skills that make you a good fit for nearly any type of business or operation. And you can really refine and pursue a specific skill accordingly. Uh, but in terms of where you were at in school, um, you personally, what, what did you have your uh, mindset on? Or did you have anything in mind that you really just really wanted to pursue through this degree? I don't know that I had anything specific in mind. Um, I really love, and I suppose my graduate uh, research work would be a testament to this, the concept of brand and pers not necessarily personal branding, but just the value of a brand. And so um, had a couple of really unique internship opportunities, one of those being at Vermeer Corporation in Iowa, where I got to work on the company's brand, which evolved into a tagline, the mantra, the feeling, the approach to each of their creative elements. And so I think that it was not necessarily on um, being a photographer or being a writer or being a designer, but it was taking all of those pieces together and really using them to leverage and support a brand, whether it be a client I would work with or a potentially company I would work with. Okay. Well, that makes, I mean, that makes a, a lot of sense. And, and you kind of said that there's a lot of uh, outlets you can go through um, with that degree. So it makes sense that you kind of just didn't have your mindset on one. You're kind of just looking for uh, the right fit, but Coming out of college, you have your uh, bachelor's and master's in agriculture uh, and communications, and you get a job with Lessing Flynn as an account manager. Uh, tell me about Lessing Flynn, and then tell me uh, kind of what your role was within that company. Yeah, Lessing Flynn is an advertising agency, and um, very much my story today is connected, uh, and the dots are connected. And so while I was at Oklahoma State uh, pursuing my education, again, had a chance to intern with Vermeer Corporation in Iowa. And one of the agencies that supported Vermeer at the time and, and today currently was Lessing Flynn. And uh, so when I was finishing up with my master's degree, got a call from them and said, you know, they said, hey, like, you know, the Vermeer brand, we're looking for a project manager first to come in and uh, really support that client as well as some other clients. And then from there just evolved, uh, was managing social media for Vermeer at the time, uh, specifically within the Forge group. And then social media, right, was not what it is today. And so uh, we had a lot of fun just figuring out how a a company like Vermeer and um, all of the things that go along with the company in terms of legal and safety and routing things, but then still being engaging and interactive on social media. We were figuring those things out. So um, started as a project manager at Lessing Flynn and then um, after about eight or nine months uh, transitioned or was promoted to an account manager and um, my accounts as an account manager included still work on Vermeer and then Kimmon Industries, which uh, billion dollar company in Des Moines. And we worked really within their um, animal division. Also Ag Leader Technology. So focusing on precision, precision agriculture, which for a Colorado, you know, hay farmer, uh, daughter of a hay farmer, that's very different than, uh, you know, planting uh, or variable rate planting and things like that. 
and then uh, National Pork Board was one of my clients. And uh, again, going back to that, dots being connected. So uh, National Pork Board calls, they have an opportunity and I joined the Pork Board from my time working on uh, their account at Lessing Flynn. It's crazy how uh, uh, kind of lines can be crossed and dots uh, um, be kind of connected together, but and you get to where you are today, but it's and it's wild uh, how that kind of happens. And we're going to talk about National Pork Board and your role there. But I wanted to uh, touch back uh, really quick. You said that you were kind of coming in with Lessing Flynn, uh, had an account with Vermeer, and you were running social media. Um, when social media started coming up and companies started using it more, how much of a shift was that in terms of marketing and outreach? Uh, was it a big change or were you guys able to kind of cope with it pretty well? I would say social media and really the, the digital space is one of the largest disruptions, you know, we've seen in the last 15 years. I, I don't know how long social has been around. I'm sure that, I mean, I remember when I got my first, or my Facebook account, I suppose, because I had just enrolled at Blackhawk and had a .edu email address. And so from that time to the time that I was working at an advertising agency and creating content and engaging on social media is very different, which is very different to today in how we as a brand create content and engage in social media. And so I would say if you were to think about um, budgets or priorities in the marketing communication space, social media and the digital space has really changed things. And it's not just social media anymore today where it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, WhatsApp, you know, some of those platforms, but uh, very much if you think of Google and Google's play and um, how we search for things and how purchasing decisions are made, it's all very different and changing at a very rapid pace. So I, I, to answer your question, I think it has um, not necessarily rocked the ship at all, but uh, just like when TV became a thing, right? Like you shifted priorities and when radio was a thing, you shifted priorities. And now today there are just so many platforms or vehicles which brands like the National Pork Board, like Vermeer, you name the organization can use in order to promote their message and potentially sell product. Well, let's talk about um, how National Pork Board does that because you are uh, pretty much, uh, I don't know if you're running it, but you're you're heavily in, uh, influenced in the marketing and outreach within the National Pork Board. Um getting in touch with uh, junior exhibitors, getting in touch with uh, producers. Kind of tell me about your role within the National Pork Board and, and tell me about uh, kind of how that's helped you within the industry. My role at the National Pork Board includes wearing a lot of hats, and I think that that's pretty typical for uh, those that work at an association. And so I would say that there's buckets of audiences that I work within and then apply different marketing or communication tactics to those buckets. And so if I was to break them down, um, specifically, first off, you mentioned the youth um, or the junior swine show associations. And no doubt or, you know, undeniably very close to my heart because of my upbringing and what I would attribute, you know, the things that I've had a chance to do today um, back to that. So we communicate with those folks very differently. And for example, today, um, in the current state of the industry, biosecurity is very important. And so rather than 
uh, the National Pork Board, and while we still do a lot of outreach, um, specifically from our own accounts, we work closely with like the NJSA and Team Purebred, as well as 4-H and FFA to distribute a message on biosecurity. On the simple things like the importance of hand washing and um, things that should be considered like sharing show equipment and, um, you know, downtime at home before you commingle your pigs again. So those messages, um, while they are all based in science and uh, we know them, that is a real opportunity for us at the National Pork Board to communicate with them. And we know young people today are attracted to video. And so uh, there's a lot of video that's created. We do a lot within the social media space to have visuals or graphics that tell a story that don't necessarily um, include, you know, a full page write up of the scientific approach to why it makes sense to be biosecure at, um, you know, your house or when you go to a show. So that would be one example. Uh, from a producer perspective, we've got a, a ton of different approaches based on who the producer is, uh, geographically where they're located, as well as the size and type of their operation. So it could include anything from email marketing to um, those messages also showing up in the uh, social media or digital space. There is a team of regional managers that are stationed throughout the U.S. that have really the um, incredible relationship with our producers. And so sometimes that means uh, their preferred communication is visiting over lunch and sharing the latest information. So that's an approach um, from a state perspective. We have 41 state pork associations across the U.S. and um, there would be 50, but there's a few states that come together, like in the Northeast, where there's maybe not as many pigs present and they pool their resources, as well as out West, um, a little bit of that happens, but there's a state pork association in Hawaii. So working with those associations, it's critically important for them to share a message just like it is for us at the National Pork Board. And so uh, depending the state, depending the producer audience um, or even consumer audience, we have a set of tactics. And then the other one that I think is really unique and kind of goes back to our previous conversation around the social and digital space is interacting with consumers. And so at the National Pork Board today, we're doing quite a bit of work with Google and that's in the areas of search. So when someone searches how to cook a pork chop, we want to be number one and uh, show up with 145 with a three minute rest or um, you know, some of those other, even farm-related things, like how pigs are raised. Like consumers more and more today are searching for that kind of information. So we wanna be relevant there. We also have a campaign, uh, yearly annual campaign uh, that is super sophisticated and includes our YouTube. And we're very active in the YouTube space and putting ads out in those space. So an individual might watch, you know, a tasty cooking video, um, one of the quick videos that shows you how to make a meal. And then that video is followed by an ad from the National Pork Board promoting pork or how, you know, the simplicity of pork fits with that same kind of content they just watched. And then the third and final piece in the Google space today, which uh, we all like and think is a ton of fun, is working with YouTube creators or video creators. And essentially, uh, we are working with them just like a sports agent would work with an athlete and we provide them content and they take our content or a message essentially like how to cook a pork chop and they do it in their kitchen and share it with their audiences and just have great results. And so 
a lot of different approaches I think are um, sophistication in terms of marketing will continue and outreach will continue to become uh, more interesting, more diverse, and really more targeted. So we can speak to each person at the right time, at the right place on the platform they prefer. It's getting pretty wild that, uh, I, I, I don't know, let me wrap my head around this really quick, because I think that a lot of people at home aren't going to um, think that National Pork Board is going to be on a YouTube ad or something like that. It's it's wild how these uh, how the companies in our industry are are coming with the times and they're changing and adapting and trying to get their message out there as as quickly and as and, and as easily as possible to the consumers. And that kind of goes into the next question that I was going to ask you. And my question was, how do we, uh, in terms of pork producers, how do we market uh, to the consumers? with all of this negativity on social media and uh, videos of animal cruelty coming out. And, and we've all seen those videos and everything coming out. Uh, how is the best way that we kind of garner attention for our industry? But you kind of just answered it right there. I mean, you guys are at the National Pork Board. You're you're trying to be at the top ad of, of Google, which is awesome. I don't know how you do that, but that sounds cool. And then to think that you guys are working with YouTube creators uh, and content creators to actually push this message out to the public. I think that you guys are doing an awesome job and I, I would have never thought that you guys would be doing that. Yeah, it's part of our strategy shift and it's actually been about uh, maybe nearly two years that we just really looked in the mirror at the National Pork Board and said, hey, we have this budget, which is a pretty consistent amount every year. And we know that it's costing more and more to buy TV. It's costing more and more to buy an ad in Sports Illustrated. It's costing more and more to align with people of influence, right? Whether they're an athlete or um, have some kind of, you know, they're known, right? They're a public figure. And uh, so we really took a good hard look in the mirror and decided there's ways that a group like the National Pork Board could play in this space. And uh, so we found those ways. And again, I would say that the digital social media space has leveled the playing field. And if you really grab onto it, like anything, no different than right, feeding a pig or whatever, when you get into the details and really take it seriously, you can find ways or options to be competitive with those that maybe have more resources available um, and whether that be time or money or people uh, to be competitive. So that's what we did. And also, I would say that there, you know, talk a lot about Google or those things because we've invested money there and we're seeing great results. But I think it's equally as important to have people within our industry, pork producers, pig farmers, show pig enthusiasts, whatever, you know, you want to call yourself to be doing things right at home on their farm, ranch, at the show and then sharing their story. And so those platforms, again, have leveled the playing field. And I would argue, Canon, that you have as much influence within your social network as you know an ad coming from the National Pork Board via Google. And so I always encourage us to keep in mind that there's a balance of, we each have our own uh, responsibility, right? To share our story and do what's right. And then there's places and companies, right? National Pork Board, as well as Smithfield and Seaboard and all of those folks who produce pork uh, to also share a message. And we've all got a piece of that pie. Now, in terms of uh, picking these um, YouTube content creators, are you guys just reaching out to people that are cooking food on YouTube? Or are you reaching out to um, maybe some YouTube users that have a lot of subscribers? Um, 
within the audience that you're looking for? What do you know the parameters that you're looking for uh, within the YouTube creators that you're reaching out to? We do. Again, it's very um, targeted and strategic, which is what I love. It's an opportunity to dream big as well as um, have this really solid strategic plan. And so uh, rather than going and um, finding people who cook on YouTube, instead we identify creators by maybe their audiences. So um, young millennial families. We know that uh, millennials right, have as much buying power today as any other generation, and they're also starting families. And so that's a core audience for us to communicate the pork message. Uh, we just finished a campaign in April around nutrition. And so these might be fitness enthusiasts, um, individuals who not necessarily are in the kitchen, but they really care about the food they put in their body. And so they're talking about pork in a different way right? And protein and all of those essential nutrients and how they're fueled by a protein like pork. Um, we have worked in, we have a campaign coming up for August, which is kind of that back to basics routine campaign. And so those creators will be a whole variety. They might be families, they might be, um, you know, kind of like the family going back to school, uh, think of even sports enthusiasts, their approach back to football season, which I'm really excited about. And um, so these creators are not ourselves, not people who we would uh, probably identify with and say we want to talk to ourselves, but they've got audience bases who um, fit a message that we want to deliver. And we work with a partner of YouTube called FameBit is their name. And again, it's a little bit like a sports agency. They help us identify these uh, creators based on their audiences and what fits our key message. And then we have campaigns that happen throughout. So an individual might be, or an example could be, uh, Binging with Babish is a creator and he does a lot of work in the kitchen. And we've actually had two trending videos with him on YouTube at this point, which I think is pretty cool as well to be trending on YouTube with something like pork representing pig farmers, 60,000 of them across America. Yeah. And that's awesome that you guys are, have been able to reach out to, to that many people and, and kind of gain that attention that you guys are looking for. And it's interesting that you bring in uh, millennials to the conversation because they're, I mean, they're, they're on everyone's mind. It's been, uh, they've been political. They've been uh, talked about in social media. And I think it's awesome that you guys are trying to promote to the millennials because I found uh, a really cool fact the other day, and I'd like to share it with you. I just pulled it up on my laptop, and it and I found a, a statistic that said that on average, millennials are spending $162 per month uh, just on meat, whereas uh, the boomers are spent had spent $93 per month on meat. So, a lot of people are thinking that these millennials are um, going vegan, they're going vegetarian, they're trying to stay away from. Uh, the bean industry, when in reality, there's a lot of money within the millennials. And I understand why you guys are pressing uh, to that group. And I, I think I'm in that group. I might be, I don't know, I might be Generation Z or Y, I don't know what it is. But it's awesome that you guys are pushing that group. And you guys are seeing that there's money in there, um, that people are trying to take a take and, and trying to give them a, a good product for. So pro I mean, props to you guys, you guys certainly have the, the dedication and the money to kind of figure out uh, where your audiences lie though, which is uh, 
a key aspect. Yeah, and to that point, everything that we do in terms of marketing communications outreach is grounded in research. And so um, the audiences that we've identified, and I listed off a, a couple, right, the millennials with families, uh, that's a core audience based on the research that we see. And, and Canon, just like the stat you found about millennials investing in meat, it's all got to be grounded somewhere. And so in addition to us being the arm of, you know, going out and taking a message to the audience, there's a whole core group at the National Pork Board that are sharing with us the who, the why, the what, the where, here's where we need to focus, here's where we're falling short. And so I think in addition to being proud of the outreach we're doing, I think at the National Pork Board, we've got to be very proud of the research that we have so that can support the outreach. And that's why we have results because it's all grounded in something. Exactly. But as equally as important as millennials, uh, Gen Z, uh, if they're not on folks that are listening's radar, it should be because uh, that population group is growing at a rapid rate and having more buying power all the time and aging as well, right? So uh, we're talking a lot of millennial right now, but I think Gen Z should definitely be top of mind as well. Exactly. I would have to agree with you. Um, before we wrap this up, I want to talk about uh, Voices Heard, and I don't know a lot about it, so you're going to have to talk to me and, uh, and tell me about what, your, what that kind of platform is. So tell me about Voices Heard, and you kind of launched it at World Pork Expo, right? Or the exposition, sorry. Yep, the exposition. Yeah, so going into the exposition uh, with the cancellation of World Pork Expo, uh, which has been going on for 30 plus years, we knew that there needed to be a different feeling um, for exhibitors who are coming to the exposition. I mean, not only is it a name change, but um, there needed to be some awareness of things are different in the pork industry. And there's a reason behind the, you know, quote unquote, other side of the fairgrounds being canceled. And so um, I think that there were a few of us that um, were just kind of thinking and feeling like there's got to be something and um, uniquely gathered up a group of folks, which included the NJSA, Team Purebred, uh, Heimer Hampshire's, Biozyme, Herdmark Media, and the National Pork Board. And if you think of each of those partners, um, you might say why. And um, it was really because there's a group of you know folks that are feeling convicted and like we got to make a difference here. And um, so we just got to talking about ways in which we could um, trigger young people and, and breeders, right? Anybody show pig enthusiasts who were at the exposition uh, to think a bit differently and think about uh, why biosecurity is important and to think about not the show pig industry as a segment, but part of a bigger, you know, industry some would say or calculate the size of the pork industry being about 90 billion dollars with allied industry everything from farm to fork and so we really wanted to come up with a message that um, would bring some light to what this is that we do and really the why and uh, i really love the concept of you know your why statement why we do this and I think that our industry, too, has done a lot of thinking about our quote unquote why. So this group of people just got to talking and we were thinking of ways, right? We know that we've got a, a pig show happening. We know that we've got a captive audience. We know that everyone was really jacked up about coming to Des Moines that first week in June. And so uh, we had a few different approaches um, to bring voices heard to light. And um, the first one we did was we had a series of crowd standouts. 
And essentially what we did is try to identify about eight individuals who represented all parts of the show pig and pork industry. And these individuals got up and we kicked off the week with Dr. Brett Kaysen, who is our assistant vice president of sustainability at the National Pork Board. And he shared his story as to how he got involved in the industry and, um, you know, people investing in him and really kind of his give back today. And uh, and as a show dad, too, right, he's got two young girls that are showing. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, he kicked off the week and then we had folks um, like Jim McGoy and we had a veterinarian perspective and um, just a lot of great people who who popped up and shared their why and how we did that, which I think is maybe the piece that got the younger audience excited is we queued up Old Town Road. Uh, the instrumental version of it. And so we played that just for like 30 seconds. And that was the cue, the audio cue throughout the barns and in each of the rings that we were going to have someone stand up and share. And uh, so we did that throughout the week, had a few folks each day and um, really incredible stuff was said. Uh, really great individuals. Uh, they put a lot of thought and time into their two to five minutes that they were going to share with the audience. And it was unique from the standpoint that we even stopped the show in essence, um, you know, the judges might have been sorting a class, but when it was time to talk, there still might have been a crowd standout on the mic. And um, I think it was just really something special. So that was one piece of it. Then the other thing we did is we had a tent in the um, right outside the hog barn, which uh, BJ from Herdmark Media was stationed throughout the week. And it was open to anybody who wanted to come by and answer some questions, you know, it was essentially getting your story and tying back to some of the pieces of Voices Heard. And um, so BJ recorded those. We also had an exhibitor list. And so kids, if they wanted to be on camera, they kids and parents and family, there was no limits, right? FFA teacher, someone that's just involved in the industry, maybe selling um, show supplies could definitely come by, but we also had that entry list so kids could come by and sign their name. And some even left a little bit of advice for others who were in the industry, maybe a motivational piece or whatnot. So that was incredible. We've got, um, I think, just shy of 100 interviews on camera, which will um, then package up and provide to each of those individuals so they could share them at their 4-H meeting or, you know, with their class for a project or share that on their social media so they can do their own bit of advocating for uh, the show big industry and pork industry. And then also we'll have a few videos just to continue to push out and provide to individuals who are interested in what the show pig industry is and why we do it and what it means to be competitive and even, you know, how it could help someone in their career down the road. Um, so those were th those kind of couple of pieces. And then uh, the third element is we actually did a panel that was called um, Perspectives on Progress. And we had individuals who really addressed kind of the biosecurity, African swine fever pieces of the industry, which show pig enthusiasts need to understand. And um, that panel, I think, was pretty well received. We had a great audience, again, kind of stopped the show before we picked a Grand Barra and had an hour really good conversation. So uh, this initiative, I think, is very much a work in progress. But I think that a lot of what I heard from individuals who were at the exposition is it feels right. It feels appropriate in terms of timing. And um, there's other ways that we can extend it to, to further get the Voices Heard message out.
Yeah, I think you guys are doing an incredible job. And I think there's there was one element to what you were just saying about it that I think was very important. And, and it's about interviewing everyone and not just the the guys with the big names and 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 the people that um, that others in the industry are looking up to and stuff like that. You got to get everybody's story, everybody, every, all the showmen, parents, ag teachers, kids that it's their first year showing. I, it's good to hear those experiences from everyone. Right. It's it's kind of good. Um, to hear everyone's side of the story and not just the big names or the people that everyone are talking about. Yep, that's absolutely right. And I think that that's the core of the initiative is it's about identifying everybody's place in our industry and making feel everybody feel like they belong too. And so I think we've got perspectives from a whole bunch of folks and uh, really excited for uh, the launch of those different perspectives. Well, Kylie, that's kind of all I had for you, I wanted to give you a little bit of time to just, if you wanted to say anything to the listeners, um, some inspirational quotes, if you will, if you have any. You're really putting me on the spot there. <laughs> uh, no, I think that if I was to share my bit of advice, um, I think that there's a ton of power in your network. And I believe that, you know, my personal story or my brand story is a testament to that. And so, as you, you know, go about through life and you're making these left and right hand turns, uh, for sure, consider uh, the implications of both and um, also keep in mind the people who can help you, you know, further your your goals or achieve your goals and aspirations. I think the other thing I would say is we're really lucky to be in the livestock industry. And I know that, you know, I'm a show pig enthusiast through and through, but my husband is actively involved in, in uh, the cattle industry and I, I just think that there's no better place for uh, us to live and work and uh, potentially you know provide our livelihood is through this industry and um, the animals are incredible no question and we've made crazy advancements and phenotypically just really incredible livestock but uh, the people are pretty special and so I think that um, when we get in these competitive you know arenas or environments we got to keep that in mind that at the end of the day, right, it still goes back to the people and the people will really make what we do during this time on our earth worth it and um, and special. So I don't know if that's good or what you're looking for, but um, I would also say I'm always a resource. So if there's an individual who has a passion or interest in this marketing communication outreach space, and I use all those three words together because it's hard to just bucket it all into one, but if you're into that or advocating, um, giving back, I'm always a resource and would love to connect, whether it's on social, which I'm on all the platforms or uh, via phone and email. So I would just throw that out there to any of your listeners. Kenan. Yeah, and I'll put uh, I'll plug your social media accounts in, in either my intro or uh, my closing segment, too. So don't worry about that. I'll, kind of, I'll get your name out there, too. And I want to say thank you. I, I think that was perfect. You hit it right on the nail. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your day again. Uh, we did it one time and the audio was kind of bad. So I wanted to just sit down and, and do it again with you to make sure that uh, we got the best quality interview out to the to the listeners that are listening right now. So uh, I want to thank you again. And if, if uh, National Pork Board is looking to uh, sponsor a podcast, I know one. So just, just let me know and uh, we can get the ball rolling probably. Yeah, for certain. Um, well, I think it's interesting, right? Like we were talking about all of the different platforms and the ways you can do business and share a message today. And certainly podcasts are one of those. So let's stay in touch on that. Yeah, definitely. 
All right. Thank you, Kylie. I really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Time's limited, so you must listen carefully. Well, guys, that's going to conclude the third episode of the show with Cannon Brown. Uh, my guest was Kylie Denise, and guys, I, I hope that you got out of it what I did. She's she's incredible, and she she, she knows her stuff, guys. And uh, that's what I'm looking for. That's uh, that's who I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find people that's that are passionate, that want to tell their story, that want to that want to give back to the kids and to the industry uh, that, that have given them so much. And I think that Kylie is a perfect example of that. And uh, like I said, I was going to plug uh, her social media, and it's pretty dang easy. It's just at Kylie Denise, and uh, just spell it the way that I have it on the podcast, uh, and it'll get you there. And guys, follow her, please. Follow, like, the show pod, definitely. Like, follow all my stuff, and then follow Kylie Denise because she's incredible, and you're going to learn so much just by following her on social media accounts. Uh, she's awesome, um, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. All right. I love you guys. Bye.